Let's just read a few verses, as we did last week. We will be looking at other scriptures. Verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. You know, the Lord will bless again that reading of his own word. Let's just bow for a couple more seconds in prayer. Father, we ask you, Father, for your spirit to be upon every heart, Lord, so strong that you can only quicken the dead, that you can only, Lord, cause that anxious thought which draws one to the Savior. And we pray, O oh God, that you would move upon everyone as we have prayed before, we pray again. We need you in all that we do. And without you, we can do nothing. You alone are God. You alone are Savior. And it's you alone we worship. So glorify thine only begotten Son as we exalt him in this meeting and through the preaching of thy word. We ask it for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Last, last week we looked at the title is the same only it's part two of the Lord, the Lamb, and the Lion. Today, we are going to look at, at something completely different. It is the same theme, but it's part two. So if you miss part one, you can listen to it online or wherever. And there's many outlets of it there. And you can catch up with it if you feel you'd like to. We've seen last week how Isaiah, when he's writing in chapter six, he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. We looked in, uh, extensively at how even though Uzziah was a good king in Judah, Judah was the southern kingdom of Israel. There was a northern kingdom who were then carried away captive by the Assyrians under Sennacherib, the, the Assyrian king. And then there was uh, the southern kingdom of Judah made up of Benjamin and Levi. And of course, they in the southern kingdom had their kingly line coming from Jerusalem, from the tribe of Judah. Nearly every king, Almost of the man in the northern kingdom coming out of Samaria was wicked before God. And so after sending prophets, he carried them away. He allowed them to be carried away captive. And now it has turned 
onto Judah, the southern kingdom. And they won't listen to the word of the Lord from the prophets. They won't turn from their sin. They won't give up that which they love the most. And even though in many cases, not all, but in many cases, there were good kings on the throne of the Lord, as it's called, in Jerusalem. There were kings like, here we have Uzziah, was a good king. We had Jehoshaphat, who was a good king. And they sat upon the throne. We had Hezekiah, the reformer king. He was a good king. They had, at times, kings who were sitting upon the throne in Judah. And they were good, and they also had bad. But the people and the ecclesiastical leadership of the, of, at the time, they were corrupt to the core. And God said, because you've led the people astray, then there is sin among the people. Is this not true when we look even at our own nation tonight and we look at the ecclesiastical leadership when they look at the things and the events that are happening and those things that are being pressed into our society, how they're now looking to see whether we should have same-sex marriage, to see how far sin will go with them, how far they can, as it were, stretch the Word of God, how far they can duck and dive but yet they will never get past the Word of God. The Word of God that was written in the days of Isaiah and in the days of the New Covenant is the exact same Word of God for the year 2017. The Word of the Lord, it will not change. The Word of God does not change. The Word of God remains forever settled in heaven. And it cannot change. Whether you like it, or I like it, or we dislike it, whether others hate it or we love it, the Word of God does not change. And here we find that Uzziah was a good king. But the thing was, Uzziah didn't take away the high groves. There was other forms of worship out there. There was different idols set amongst clumps of trees and wooden stumps and so on, and they went to worship there. We find the people were completely lost in their ways. The people didn't know the Lord, and especially from the ecclesiastical background that they were under at the time. Through the prophets, they turned away God's warning of a pending doom and judgment upon Judah, just like the house of Israel, the northern kingdom, had done for many, many years. And now they haven't learned their lesson from what has already happened to the northern kingdom. And at this time, this good king is on the throne, and Isaiah the prophet, he saddened at the death of Uzziah the king, because Uzziah, he was one who would protect him. He would protect the word of God. He was a good king. He was a godly king. But nevertheless, it shows us that even as I said last week, the best of men are only men at best. He didn't remove the high places. He wasn't perfect. And listen, if you're looking for a perfect Christian, if you're looking for a perfect pastor, if you're looking for a perfect woman who's a believer or a man, you're going to be sorely and sadly in dismay and disappointed. There's none perfect. There's none righteous. No, not one outside of Christ. And in Christ, there's none perfect till he returns. We cannot just blamely point the fingers at brothers and sisters all the time and say them, he, she, they, that. Because then we find there's always three pointing back. Here we find that Uzziah, he would protect Isaiah. And as I said last week, Isaiah, 
He is killed by, uh, by Manasseh the king, the king that comes later. He's killed by him because he said he saw Yahweh, the Lord. So he writes here, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Who did he see? He saw Yahweh. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he saw the pre-existent Lord Jesus. He saw, when I say pre-existent, before he became flesh at Bethlehem. He saw the Lord Jesus sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train fills the temple, and around him stands the seraphims. Each one had six wings, with twain or with two. He covered his face. Standing in the glory of God, even the angelic beings cannot stand the brightness of his glory. With twain he covered his feet. The feet tell us where we have wandered. I wonder what your feet will tell someday if you're not saved and blood-washed and trusting in Christ. I wonder what tale will tell by where you have been and what you have done and the things you've gotten up to and you have never repented of them as you stand before God. Our feet are going to tell a terrible tale. But isn't it wonderful in the Old Covenant and then in the New Covenant it's mentioned by the Apostle Paul in Romans 10, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings or preach the gospel. You can have beautiful feet tonight. Now I know feet are usually not some of the nicest of things, but beautiful feet are those that carry the Word of God, are those who carry the possession of Christ in the heart of the man and woman. The most beautiful feet are those of the Believer, the blood-washed, redeemed saint of God. Now, notice this. Here we find that Uzziah dies. We looked at it last week. I won't go into it again for of much to tell you this week. But Uzziah, the earthly, dies that the heavenly will be shown forth. The 2020 vision of seeing a king on the throne passes away. You see, everything you see and hold dear in this life will pass away. But there's one who will never pass away. He says, I saw the Lord. I saw the King. I saw Yahweh. I saw Jesus. Notice this. Because Uzziah passes, the death of Uzziah affects the prophet, marks his life. But the greatest thing is not that Uzziah dies that marks him, but that he saw the Lord marked him even more. Brother, sister, you remember the day that you came to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember the day and the hour when you knelt down or you were standing somewhere or someone was speaking to you, you were in the church service or wherever that may have been, somewhere on this planet, and you've realized that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and only Christ can save. You remember that day and it's marked you for eternity. Praise God it has. Thank the Lord for His grace and His goodness. Praise God that He came and sought you out. Notice this. He says, I saw the Lord. A greater revelation than His own uh, vision could behold was given to Him from heaven. He saw the God of glory. He saw the pre-existent Christ. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. And Isaiah may have gotten discouraged because a great leader in Judah sitting on the throne was no longer there. But Uzziah may no longer be on his throne, 
that is the throne of David, but God was always. God is always. God is still on his throne. Sometimes God must take away your Uzziah. I told you last week. That which your eyes are focused on that is not Christ. That which your eyes behold that robs Christ of his glory. Sometimes we find that the Uzziah in our lives must be taken away before God can reveal more things to you. God wants you, brother. God wants you, sister, friend. God wants you to trust him. God wants you to rely on him. God wants you not just to believe in him, but to believe him in everything that he says. The old hymn writer says, When hoary time shall pass away, and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall, when men who here refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love so sure shall still endure, all measureless and strong, redeeming grace to Adam's race, the saints and angels' song. Here we find that the earthly kingdoms and thrones, they seem to move. We're going to look at it in a moment. They seem to, to shift. They, they seem to go by leader by leader from kingdom to kingdom. They, they have conquerors one over another. For example, in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar's the king in Babylon. So Isaiah dies as they're in the, the promised land. And they, Isaiah sees the Lord. And then a few kings come along later. And Judah, in their sin, without repentance, are carried away into Babylon. We read of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in the, in the fiery furnace. And we read of Daniel in the lion's den, Ezekiel by the river Chebar, a little later than that. And we see all of this happening in Babylon. And while this is happening, God is still on the throne. God is still in charge. You see, there's things that come, calamities that enter our lives and things that we think are never, ever going to end, the problems and the worries and the fears and the troubles and the trials and the tribulations and all the things that come to us in our life, and we think, God, if you've forgotten me, yet 70 years had passed since Judah, i.e. the Jews, have been carried into Babylon. And God says, I have never forgotten. I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11. And we here we find that they're in Babylon, and the king is Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Daniel interprets the dream for him. He, he tells him the dream, then he interprets it. And, and, and Nebuchadnezzar saw a dream of a man with a, 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 a large figure of a statue with a, a golden head. And then arms and, and chest of silver. And then a, a midriff or the belly of, of brass. And then the legs of iron. And then the feet of iron, and part of iron and part of clay. And Daniel comes and says, I'll tell you what the dream is, Nebuchadnezzar. Listen to what he says. Thou, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylonian king, thou art this head of gold. Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. That's the Babylonian kingdom. And then there'll be other kingdoms that come. See, the kingdoms are changing all the time. 
the silver kingdom of the two arms and the chest was the Medo-Persians that would come. We would have Cyrus and Darius, or Darius. And then the brass was Alexander the Great who conquered the area then. Alexander the Great was the bronze kingdom or the brass kingdom. And then we have the iron, which was the Roman Empire, the pagan Roman Empire. The pagan Roman Empire was at the time of when the Lord Jesus is there. That was whenever we had Pontius Pilate was under the pagan Roman Empire. And then after that, we find it runs right down, and that theme comes right the whole way through the man and stretches into the feet and ten toes, and there was ten lands around Rome at the time, which now actually represent the European Union. And the other Roman Empire that would come up would be the Papal Roman Empire. You see, all of these are coming and going, and, and Jesus... Jesus is seen in glory as the pre-existing Christ by Isaiah the prophet. Now on the ground that is on planet earth and terra firma, there's a throne of the Lord, it's called, in Jerusalem. King David, King Solomon, King Rehoboam after that and so on. Right to King Uzziah here, right to the very end of the kings of Judah. And it's called the throne of Jehovah, or the throne of Yahweh. Yahweh hadn't sat upon it. You see, Israel, in the Old Testament, they wanted to be like all the other nations. They wanted to be like all the other nations, had all these kings when God was their king. There was no monarchy in Israel, but rather there was a theocracy where God was king. He ruled through the judges. You read like of Samson and so forth in the book of Judges. He ruled through the judges and he spoke through the prophets. So that was God's body, if you want, in Israel. God's body moving and, and, and running the government and, and running the ecclesiastical work and bringing God's word to the people and keeping the people right before God. Of course, we had the prophets bringing God's word and we had the priests who were then bringing the people to God. That's the difference between a prophet and a priest, you know. A prophet brings God to men and a priest comes with the offering to bring men to God. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he has a threefold office in the scriptures. He's the prophet, he's the priest, and he's the king. He is the prophet to Israel. He is the priest for Israel, and he's the king over Israel. He is the prophet who came to bring the word of the kingdom of God and salvation to men. He is the priest who now stands in the glory at the right hand of the majesty on high or in the place of power and authority. There for me the Savior stands, shows his wounds and spreads his hands. God is love, I know I feel. Jesus lives and loves me still. There's a man in the glory, brother and sister, praying for you, interceding in your behalf. And even when your friend, your family, your church, your pastor, or whoever else forgets to pray because we're all human, he never forgets. The prophet says, he shall not fail, neither be discouraged. Oh, there's nothing puts the Savior off from before the throne of God. So we see how the king is yet to come again. And the king is coming again. The king is coming. Now take note of this. Here we had the pre-existing Christ. Secondly, we have the crucified Christ. 
Uzziah's death marks the earthly year that Isaiah has brought into greater revelation of truth. You see, a man and a woman can't be saved if they deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, you know what the scripture says? Those who deny that he is the Son, those who deny that he is God in flesh, do you know what the scripture says? That is the spirit of Antichrist. the spirit of Antichrist. So a man cannot be saved, a woman cannot be saved unless they realize that Jesus is deity clothed in humanity. And also this, Uzziah's death also marks the earthly greater revelation that when Jesus hangs upon the cross, he's not just a man, but you must see him first as the lamb or the man, the son of God, but you must also see him as the eternal word of the Father hanging on the cross. Do you know what that tells me? You know what that shows me? And it should show you that there's nothing, absolutely nothing you and I could do to offer God outside of Christ. Nothing you can do. Well, I'm going to come with my good works and I'm going to say, well, I wasn't a bad fellow and I'm going to say I wasn't a bad woman and I'm going to say I was a good, a, 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 a good wife or a good husband. I'm going to say, well, I was a good parent and I, I lived my life right and I was clean living and even went to church. Boy, I'll tell you one thing, I was at CET a few weeks. Like filthy rags before the Lord. Actually, it's worse than that. According to scripture, the filthy rag means it's like a menstrual rag. And that's what men and women with their works and their arms and their deeds and their, their beads and all the things they try to do, whether whatever religion or whatever side of the divine we can come from, that's what men and women want to bring to God to say, look, aren't I good enough? Haven't I done enough? And all the while, he'll point you to the son and he will say, no, but he has. He's good enough. And he has done enough. But you have rejected him. But you have rejected him. So we find here that Isaiah then, after this wonderful vision of God on the throne, he sees the lamb, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 6. He given a picture. Listen, this is 720, maybe 750 years before the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. Way before it. Isaiah 53 and verse 4, reading on, says, Surely hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With the stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was placed upon him, and by his stripes you are healed. You see, Christ has paid it all. He's the one who's on the throne, and now he's the one upon a cross. What else will you offer him? What more is there? What else is there to offer God for your salvation outside of him? Second Corinthians 8 and verse 9 tells us, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. The one on the throne came to a manger, and he went to a cross, and he laid on a tomb. So we see him as the crucified Christ, the pre-existing Christ, the crucified Christ. He didn't come to the, cross, to the throne, but rather he came to the cross. Here's something to look at, John 6 and verse 15. It says, when Jesus had fed the multitudes, the five barley loaves and the two small fishes that were and he feeds the multitude, it says, they wanted to make him a king. Notice John 6 and verse 15 says, And when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. You see, why did he not, did he not let them? Well, for one, because if he had of, he wouldn't have been the lamb who died for us. And we would have been lost. You see, the lamb saves, but a king reigns. Please get this, friend. The lamb saves, but the king reigns. Now, I'm going to go into a little topic that's a little controversial. He went to the cross, and yet we are told in the book of Luke. If you'd like to turn briefly for a moment, we'll just read a couple of verses. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. The angel appears to Mary. Verse 31 to verse 33. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Notice. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. Notice the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of, the, of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now notice this. He's going to give him the throne of his father David. That is, Jesus is descended from King David as to the flesh. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah as was King David as according to the flesh. But the throne isn't here. 
The throne isn't in Jerusalem when the angel says this. In fact, the throne has been out of Jerusalem for now somewhat many hundreds of years. About six. David's throne was a literal earthly throne, and it is called the throne of the Lord or the throne of Jehovah. Heaven is my throne. He sits in Isaiah 6 upon the throne. And earth is my footstool. He is the God of the heavens and of the earth. But the literal, physical throne of David was in Jerusalem. But by now it's gone. And God said, well, we're going to have to put him upon the throne of it. What's even more doubtful without explanation is this. If you want to jot these down, we haven't time to go into them, but 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 23, this is where the Lord says, Solomon sat, that's David's son, sat on the throne of the Lord instead of his father David. So it's the throne of Jehovah. If you want to go to Jeremiah 33, Jeremiah chapter 33, And that's where I just run down for time's sake to verse 17. For thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. Now, if David would never want a man, that is because of Old Testament was son to son, son to son. But here the idea is it's a man, a person to sit upon the throne. He will never want it, he says. Well, how sure is this promise, Lord? Let your eye run down to verse 20, just for time's sake. Thus saith the Lord, If ye can break my covenant of the day, and my covenant of the night, and that there should, be day, should not be day and night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon the throne, and with the Levites, the priests, my ministers. As the hosts of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the seed of David, my servant, and the Levites that minister unto me. What does the Lord say here? If there's still daytime, and if there's still nighttime, then there has to be the throne of David. Isn't that what the Bible says there? Did you get up this morning and it was daytime? Let's hope when we go to bed it's going to be nighttime. It's dark outside already. So since this covenant, the Lord says, only then when this finishes, it gives the idea of this age of stuff. These things happen. Only then will there be no throne of David. Well, where is it? Where is it? I'll tell you the story of 2 Kings chapter 25. Read it when you go home. We haven't time to go through it. After Uzziah dies and a few kings down, I'm, I'm paraphrasing and skipping for time's sake, for time's marching on. When Uzziah dies, there's a, a king called Zedekiah comes along, and Zedekiah isn't a very good king either in Judah. And so the, the Babylonians over years come and keep carrying them away in different deportments in the Babylon from Jerusalem. And they take King Zedekiah and they bring his sons. And just to make things a little more hurtful and harmful unto Zedekiah, 
they get all his sons and they line his sons up. And Zedekiah, the king of, uh, of Judah, is watching this and they slay all the sons in front of him. All his children are murdered. His sons are killed in front of him. Then they burn his eyes out. That lasting impression of his family, his children murdered, would be burnt and seared into his mind. How cruel. You see, what they tried to do was they would know that if there's no lineage in Judah, then there'd be no king. And if there's no king, then Jehovah or Yahweh's word is not true. Kill the heirs, for it went from son to son. Kill the heirs and the throne will die. There will be no covenant with their so-called God. That's the idea of it. The little thing they didn't realize is that God is way ahead of all of us. In Numbers chapter 27, you read it when you go home too, please write it down. Numbers 27 verses 1 to 11, you'll read of the law of inheritance. And then God's law, the law of inheritance, if there were no sons left, guess what? The daughters took over. The daughters took the inheritance. So when they killed the sons, there were two daughters of Zedekiah left. They thought, well, there's no sons. They don't have an heir. The two daughters were called Teatefe and Skoda, or Skota. Jeremiah the prophet takes them. And we read about them getting into Egypt. He hides them there today. There's a, what's known as the princess, Jewish princess house in Egypt. They found it with all the tile walls and all around it. Down in Tophanes, down in Egypt. But where was the throne? And what happened? You see, here we have the crucified Christ on the cross, not on the throne. Okay, let me just, just bear with me till I show you something else. By the way, if you want to know about Jeremiah and the daughters... You can read it in Jeremiah 43. You'll read about it there. Where is this throne today? Okay. You ready? Hold on, I get a drink. It's in London. The queen sits upon it. Elizabeth II. Do you know she can trace her family back to the tribe of Judah. You see, those who, those who are conspiracy theorists and maybe even extreme right-wing neo-Nazis or whatever you want to call them, they call her the Edomite Jewish queen because they hate her. Because she's just Jewish, but she's Edomite Jewish. So... And that's the bad face of jury anyhow. So, but that's what they call her. And then when you go to others, others say that, that she is the Nazi queen. And she's the Nazi queen because she actually came from Germany. Here's something to place into your Bible prophecy I've taught you over the last lot of weeks. When General Allenby liberated Jerusalem in 1917... 
when those little planes flew over and the Turkish Ottoman Empire surrendered. When that happened in that same year, do you know what happened in England? Do you know what happened in the royal family? They changed their name. Their name is Windsor as we know it. Do you know what their name was before that? Saxe-Coburg. Because of the, the, the hatred against the Germans and the, and the Kaiser who were in the First World War, they, they, they couldn't have this German queen ruling or king ruling over them at the time. So the queen's father changed the name from Saxe-Coburg. Saxe comes from Saxony in Germany. And the Coburg link comes from a Judaite link right through a Gothic link. There's a program, I'm sure you are aware of it, Who Do You Think You Are? Tracing people's lineage back. Well, a lot of years ago, I think it was maybe, well, must be near 10 years ago now, I was sitting one night watching that program and there was Matthew Pinsent, the champion rower, you know, the Olympic rower, doing his lineage. Next thing, they bring him into the Royal College of Arms in London. There's the guys with the white gloves on. They bring out all these old books that are written for all these lineages through the kings. And he says, you're related into here. And this guy was blown away by this. Then they brought him to a scroll, and they ruled out the scroll, and this ancient old scroll. And I'm told, by the way, because friends of mine tried to get into Satan, it's just so secret they won't let anyone in. But they says there's an older one. That was one for TV that they allowed to rule out. And there was their lineage right back to King David, right through, as the Bible says, to Adam, the whole way through. Next week, I'm going to speak on the Protestant Reformation and prophecy. And you're going to see how that Reformation came and touched our lands. But not only that, how the Bible came from here. King James VI, who was King James I of Scotland, is in, obviously, the Queen's line. The King, king Kenneth, um, it was like one of the kings in Scotland, the early kings, the kings of Ireland. Ochaid the Herman, the high king of Herman, married a young woman called Tia Tefe at Tara in Ireland. And it's still there to this day, the Jewish princess's tomb, they call it. Right through the Queen's line. But when Christ returns, he is the pre-existent Christ. He is the crucified Christ. He is the resurrected Christ. And he's the coming Christ. Zechariah 14 tells us where he's coming to. Zechariah 14 and verse 3 says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Where's he coming to? The Mount of Olives. Now, I'm not saying he's coming to London. Okay, don't get me wrong here. He's coming to the Mount of Olives. Queen Elizabeth, listen, and all those kings, there's some rascals. Look at that Henry VIII one. One boy needed a good saying too. But this is what I'm saying. None of the kings of Israel and Judah, the best of men and only men at their best, the queen will come and hand her crown to King Jesus. She will bow at his feet. That's if she's alive. I hope she is. Dear lovers, if Charles takes over. The queen 
says her faith is in Christ. She has sworn in her coronation oath to uphold the reformed doctrines of faith. I'm afraid a lot of it's fallen sadly, sadly by the wayside. Christ is coming, and his feet shall stand on that day about upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And it says, And ye shall flee like ye fled from before the earthquake, listen, in the days of Uzziah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. Christ is coming, and the heavens will roll back like a scroll. And the king the resurrected, glorified Son of the living God, Yahshua HaMashiach, that is Jesus our Messiah, will come to the literal throne of David as promised in Luke chapter 1. He shall sit upon the throne of his father David, ruling over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom shall have no end. Last, he's the victorious Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 22 says, As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. I'll teach you on that sometime. That's more than you think. Christ the firstfruits. Afterwards, they that are Christ's it is coming. Are you Christ's? See, that's the main thing. It doesn't matter. Forget Queen Elizabeth here. Are you Christ's? Verse 24 says, Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God to his Father. You know what's going to happen? He's going to come and set up his kingdom for a thousand years. The old devil's going to be bound. There'll be no sickness and no heartache and no disease. And you and I who know him and love him and are blood-washed and blood-bought, we'll have a new body. And we are going to rule and reign with him. And he's going to be king of kings and the Lord of lords, ruling over all the universe. Then after a thousand years, the old devil is loosed again. And he tries to thwart the ways of the Savior, but he just flattens him to say for another word. And he takes him and he throws him into the fiery pit of Revelation chapter 20, the lake of fire burneth with fire and brimstone, he and the false prophet, and the old dragon, the old devil himself. And the Father will just move as the Spirit right through everything. All will be like a new heaven will be made. There'll be a new earth will be renovated. And we will be going forever and ever endeavor with the Lord. But are you saved? Are you saved? That's the thing. Now maybe that was a little strange to hear that for you tonight. I have a lot of whole lot of or strange things I'd like to tell you. And I will sometime. Maybe that's a little strange. I'll actually gonna open that up and maybe sometime really tell you the full story of that. There's so much evidence for it. So much evidence. Even in ancient Irish annals, there's so much evidence. Do you know down in the four courts in Dublin, there's a big window? 
big circular window. There's a picture of an old prophet. And you call him Olaf Hurla. And it, it, it means the seer or the prophet who came. And he came with a scribe called Baruch and brought the Jewish princess to meet the king, the high king of Ireland. Tell you about that some other time. Here's something else for you. Here's something else. That king okayed the Herman. That high king of Ireland traces his way back to Zara. Who knows who Zara is? Read Genesis. Yeah, read Genesis. 38 when you go home. And Judah, he is tricked by Tamar, although Judah was an old rascal, he thought she was a, a woman of the night. And he lies with his daughter-in-law, Tamar. And she has children. Remember the twins were born? I remember one comes out first, and the, 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 the midwife puts a scarlet thread around his hand, remember? But the hand goes back in, and the other's born. Well, that scarlet thread was, they called him Zara. Means the up, uplifted, the the uplifted hand. It means. And Fares is born first. He receives the birthright. Zara goes into ships and and he leaves the land of Palestine or, or the Holy Land, and he ends up having a big settlement in southern Spain. That's why you call it Zaragoza and the town of Zaragoza today. And there used to be a big Jewish settlement all around there years ago. All the descendants came. Paul writes, "I would that I would go to Spain," in one of his epistles. So from there, the Iberian Peninsula is a derivative from the Hebrew Peninsula, the Hebridean Peninsula. It's all related language, and they go up into Ireland. And that's where Ocaid came from, from that Judaite line. Who's heard that before? A few. There's so much more. 